0: This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald.
1: I'm Ramia Amadin and this is Kelly and Ramia. Grant and Ramia here on Kelly and Ramia and Grant I wanted to ask you because you didn't join us in the first hour. Uh, do you carry cash?
0: Uh i I don't I literally just have plastic sometimes I literally just have <laughs> Apple pay and the times when something doesn't work out uh, it's like oh crap like I literally don't even have like a card to leave with card you, anything has a- Apple Pay uh but you know what I kind of get through it all but should really carry that cash
1: yeah exactly always shop with a friend so your friend can uh take over when you can't <laughs> but, but um do you have an Apple Watch with Apple Pay on there
0: I do I do I have a, okay, yeah. a phone and an Apple Watch like so you but...
1: don't even have to take your phone out
0: Mm, sometimes there are those glitches yeah yeah
1: definitely (laughs) yeah
0: well uh it's time now to check in with lucia belafonte for our parenting talk
2: are you ready to learn laugh and maybe even cry a little join me lucia belafonte as we explore how disability can affect your parenting journey I'll share advice and stories to help you grow in confidence and courage.
0: Lucia, welcome to the show. Really glad to be chatting with you for uh, the first time here myself, uh, but me and Rami, I looking forward to this one. And it's intriguing, the subject, because today we're talking with you about what kids wish their parents knew.
2: Yeah. Hi, Grant. Nice to be here with you. Yes, absolutely. So I thought about what to talk about during this segment, and I was thinking over my career as a classroom teacher, itinerant and vision teacher, and now when I do some coaching, and the same concepts kept coming over and over to my mind, and that was that whether a child was young or older and, you know, even into adulthood, The things that they were saying that they really wish their parents knew was that they wish that they would be um, better listeners, communicate better, and also respect them a little bit more.
0: So let's kind of delve into each of those. Uh, First Mm -hmm. of all, listening. Can you explain exactly what you mean by that?
2: Yeah. So most of the kids were talking about like they wish that when they spoke, their parents would really hear what they were saying not hear what they thought they were saying or hear what um they wanted to hear but listening to the words of the child and then also not dismiss what they're talking about so sometimes you know for a child a conversation was really serious and their parents seemed to dismiss it as something that they could talk about later and then that later either didn't happen or It didn't happen in the same way. And so the child wasn't as open later on. So basically, it's like when your child is willing to talk, I I strongly suggest we sit down and we listen carefully. Yeah, I I remember reading Mm -hmm.
0: something and, you know, I don't know exactly what what ages we're referring to, whether, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of adolescents count or just more young young children. Um, But I remember reading something about like all the stuff that adults like tease kids about you know like their mm-hmm. their like first crush or their like whatever their their mm-hmm. play time not working out but like for a kid you have the same feelings if not more intense as an adult would have about a similar subject which can feel really just bewildering and betraying to be teased
2: yeah, I do I, you know what I get that. It's it's almost like we forget as adults that not only uh, are our children sensitive, mm-hmm. but that they do have the same feelings as we do as an adult. And and I like that you said Grant, you know, maybe more so because they're much more sensitive. I think it's it's that that innocence and that rawness and the newness to a lot of experiences that make it that way. Yeah.
1: You know, it's true, too, that we sometimes feel like we push people, and this is not just uh, parents Mm. and children, but in Dynamics, we push people to communicate in ways that we want to understand them, and a lot of that Mm. times that can be verbal, it can be just communication styles, but uh, it's often probably a good idea, as you said, Lucia, to just listen to how people are communicating with us. And Mm -hmm. with children, verbal is sometimes the weakest point of communication but there's so many other aspects that we can pay attention to literally just start paying attention to as communication
2: yes absolutely so not only do we listen to what a child is actually saying but then we can listen to and I'll put it in quotes nonverbal cues mm-hmm. and me when i think of nonverbal cues i mean like you know has your child changed in some way for example has their personality changed um have their sleep patterns changed their eating habits their interests um you know has something and and it can be a small change or it can be a number of changes combined and that usually will indicate that something is amiss and no no we've had this conversation before when we've talked about either bullying or a child being um depressed or anxious and we can look for these changes but i remember um you know i'll speak from experience for me one of my children had the change of they were fine sleeping in the dark and then all of a sudden they needed the light on right and so we had to explore that and there was a deeper meaning to that
0: yeah it's it's you know it's like when a kid suddenly doesn't want to eat you know their favorite meal they're like I- i'm not mm-hmm. hungry and it's like oh cool you don't want your dessert okay you know that's fine but like there also could be you know some underlying you know maybe they're being bullied yes. or it's even hard sometimes to articulate the difference between sort of like i'm mad and i'm hurting you yes. know yes. when you're young
2: yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I love that. You know, as uh, young children don't have the language to be as articulate as we do as adults. But then also an older child, you know, if we're not taking the time to really have those conversations and listen attentively when they are communicating with us, they might find it challenging to then later on express themselves when something mm-hmm. is not quite right and perhaps they need our guidance.
1: Oh, yeah. Like with so yeah. many other things you've pointed out during these segments, we have to set up the environment, set up that safe mm-hmm. space, that brave space for people, uh, for children to come to parents when things yeah. are happening and not just now that it's happening. Be like, oh, how do we deal with this? Lucia, what uh, kinds of things are children referring to when we're talking about communication?
2: Oh, I love that one because um, it took me by surprise at times. And really, they were talking about communicate. Um, I, I'll be specific to my students who were either uh, blind or um, had low vision. And they really wanted to know what was going on around them and <laughs> wanted to know with accuracy, detail, and the intention of the parent making certain that they were sharing that information. <laughs> And I thought that was a big one for us to talk about. That is a huge one. I mean, obviously, because we're missing so
1: many visual cues um, growing up, and a lot of what people pick up on average is an able-bodied person or a person without uh, vision Mm -hmm. impairment is visual. You just copy, you mirror. And whether it's just us walking around in this world or the way we want to understand the world as it is, it's all description at the end of the day.
2: It is and and one of the things that was very specific is that you know, I found children really didn't like the fact that they didn't know who was present. Oh, yeah. They didn't oh, yeah. know the number, right? Okay, thank you. The the number of people present, uh, male, female, how they identified, um, their ages, uh, what they were all doing, like were they standing, were they sitting, were they near, were they far away, as much detail as you can possibly provide as a parent to your child, I think they would really appreciate that. And and that's uh, that was a major one even in school what do you two think
0: well i certainly think i've had that situation where you know Mm -hmm. uh someone will tell me afterwards oh you know when i was a kid obviously people would tell me oh you know this kid was like really wanting to play with you you know kind of like staring at you you know like watching you all Mm -hmm. the time but you know was maybe too shy to to say something i'm like oh i would have loved you know the teacher whatever to you know give me some some cue and the opposite too where you're you're trying to engage yeah. when someone is just not interested and in trying to walk away so definitely those visual cues and contacts can be mm. in- incredibly helpful to have
2: absolutely Do- those social cues right sorry
0: mm. no no yeah go ahead and i'll let yep. ramia comment as well before we move on to
1: Go ahead, Ramya. Oh, oh, thank you. Um, I think that we should get to this point because this is something that I, uh, Mm. for some reason, my reaction to it over the years has been maybe a little uh, less than ideal. But joking around and humor, Lucia, there's again that nonverbal or that understanding of sarcasm or all these other things that come up that honestly sometimes just need to be put outright into words to understand what's going on with humor around you.
2: Yes, absolutely. And I think as sighted people, we really lose that nuance of what it's like not to know. One, who's being spoken to, right? And then the other one is those facial expressions. Because sometimes a person might say a joke and they're using their normal tone. exactly, But their expression is what is giving you that cue that they're fooling around or playing with you or, or making a joke. And as an educator, I found that to be for myself, never mind my students, frustrating. And so I I would say to adults out there and educators and parents, you know, name the person that you're speaking to, say that person's name first. And then also make certain that you start off the conversation, you might think that it's not helpful to your joke, but you must start out that sentence by saying, this is a joke, or I'm just kidding around. So that the, the the person that you're speaking to who's perhaps not sighted will understand and not miss that visual cue. And this is one, again, where
1: jokes at home, the way that your parents joke with you, the way that you joke, like the dynamic you have with your siblings mm-hmm. can be so drastically different from what comes at you at school or at yes. work or just different kinds of people, right? And, and different yep. comparisons of attitudes towards humor. So, yeah, it can be quite... Uh, quite the deal without even being prepared for it yeah
2: it's really challenging sorry grant go ahead
0: no yeah i'll i'll say uh wondering if we can talk about other things about related to respect i i read something so interesting online where literally someone's like two-year-old was talking and somebody interrupted her and she Mm -hmm. said please don't interrupt me. And the person was so proud of her because we're so often told to just shut up. You know, the Mm -hmm. older people's opinions matter, whatever. Can you talk a little bit about that, that respect that kids are asking for?
2: Absolutely. And so that is one of the things is like, allow the child to have the time to speak and say what they need to say. And it's respecting when a child is speaking, but then also respect for their choices. And, you know, um, Kids would often complain that adults don't respect their either interests or what they have to say, um, comments about friends, things like that. And they're 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 I'll put it in conjunction with taking a child's opinions um also seriously. So it's more that let's go beyond listening, beyond respecting by allowing the child to finish that conversation mm. and truly listening to what they're saying and then respond to it. But respect them enough to take them seriously when they're making comments, whether that comment be positive, negative, or it's about an interest that they have that they want to pursue in life. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I think Mm -hmm. this comes with, again, all these nuances, right, Lucia? Because uh, it's so easy to feel like we know better (laughs) because we're adults. And that's often not the case. And especially if you're actually listening, you're not necessarily listening to advise or listening to um, uh, prove your kid wrong or whatever. You're Mm -hmm. actually just listening to listen. And that intention alone is something that I think is important we need to practice.
2: So I think if we kind of put them together and think that, you know, as we're, we're listening to be able to be much more effective communicators with our children, we want to know and re- to have them know that we respect what they have to say, mm-hmm. who they are, and then, you know, continue that conversation in a relaxed
0: way. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it's so interesting to have like an an actions-based approach to hey instead of thoughts like you don't you don't have to be sorry for something you don't have to like somebody mm. you don't have to change your mm-hmm. thoughts you just have to be nice to that with your behavior maybe to someone but you don't right. have to you feel happy about you know doing it necessarily like or that. saying like I'm sorry
2: yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's a nice point. Good point to make, and that goes in respecting what a child has to say about other people. I know that um, will extend respect to respect for a child's personal space, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, mm. I I know I'll say in the olden days, um, it was typical for a parent to say to a child, "Oh, go give a hug and a kiss to so and so." Oh God, yeah. But I know mm. that when my children, right, were were young. And people would say that or someone would expect them to. My words were, no, I'm sorry, we don't do that in our home, Um, especially if the child doesn't know that the other person. And then I would say uh, a hug and and a kiss is reserved for people that we know and when my child chooses to do so. I think that's really important, Um, respecting Um, personal space. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. And just when your child mm-hmm. wants
0: to do it, if they're, yes. you know, stressed out, if they're, you know, they've just kind of had a, you know, a timeout, whatever. And now you've got to hug yeah. your your crazy yeah. uncle. Like, no, yeah. like a- absolutely not.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely.
0: You know what? It is always, this is an incredibly fascinating chat. And I, I actually have Honestly, a lot. it seems like our latest generation is learning so many new like virtues raised mm. by different techniques, really mm. gives us some some hope for them. We are really close for time though. So I think I'm going to have to, uh, we're going to have to let you go there, but thank you so much for sharing mm-hmm. all that with us.
2: You're so welcome. It was nice meeting you on air, Grant. Ah, Take care. Bye, Randy. Too. Bye. You too. too.
0: And we catch up with Lucia Belafonte on the first Tuesday of every month.
1: After the break, we're gonna wrap up the show together Grant and I. I'll tell you what's coming up on now with Dave Brown also their Wednesday edition of the show and we got a closing moment for you and bringing back books. We'll be right back.
0: We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break.
2: Hi, I'm Red Sale inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.